grateful to have the privilege to be back in the house of the Lord on this Sunday evening. May the Lord bless you wherever you are joining us from today. I am grateful and I am thankful for the presence of the Lord in our lives today. Amen. We will tonight rejoice because he is still king of glory. Amen. Tonight, I am so grateful for the privilege to once again be able to stand in the house of the Lord with God's people. I do pray that all is well with you and yours this Sunday evening as we are starting a brand new week, believing and trusting it's going to be a week where the Lord is glorified and lifted high in the lives of men and women. Amen. So uh, tonight, I say welcome to you. Welcome our online audience as well. I'm so grateful that you're joining with us on this Sunday evening. Tonight, I'm just going to dive into the word of the Lord as we have been walking through. I've been taking you on a journey on Sunday evenings for the last few Sundays as far as talking about godly leaders in an ungodly world. Paul made the statement that he said, you have many teachers, but you have very few fathers. What he was simply saying is you've got a lot of people that's speaking a lot of things, but really you're missing one of the most important things, and that is you're missing the fact that there needs to be godly leadership. There needs to be some direction. And I don't know about you, but I can speak of... I would say generals of the faith or I could say fathers of the faith or leaders of the faith that have impacted my life and I am grateful for them. But what we have come to learn is this, that the Bible is true, not just on some things, but on all things. The fact is that when you read, and I made a reference to this passage of scripture this morning, is that life is but a vapor. How many knows that you just woke up and now you're old? But it just started. I just feel like that I was, it was just a couple of days ago when I was getting my driver's license. It was just a couple of days ago when I was thinking about getting married. It was just a couple of days ago when I had, had my, my first child. And, but now here it is. I'm, I'm wrinkled and I'm broken down in some manners and I still have zeal but the mind says you can do it and the body says you're crazy at times you know some of you can relate to what I'm talking about but it rings true that life is but a vapor and it's you know not to be not to be discouraging or down but the reality is that I have more days behind me than I do in front of me I'm I'm leaving sooner than later Make sure y'all want to shout, right? Don't you dare shout on that one. Now I'll be thinking you're wanting to get rid of me. But this is the reality of life. It's a reality that we don't want to talk about. However, when we come to this understanding, it brings us to a place of awareness that we realize this, that decision-making and priorities are important. 
You know there's a lot of people that's crazy busy every day and they get nothing done. I know none of you have that problem. But we got people that will run themselves ragged and yet they don't get anything. How many's ever said this? Man, I have been so busy all day long, but I didn't get anything accomplished. The same things happens on the scale of life in general. The fact is, is there's a lot of people that's lived 50 years, 60 years, 80 years, 90 years. And the truth of the matter is, and this hasn't been mean at all. I know people that's lived 90 something years and they didn't get much accomplished. It's because they never got to a place where they understood that decision making and prioritizing their life was of great value. If you haven't noticed tonight... This may catch some of you by surprise, but our world's a mess. But not only is our world a mess, but the church world's a mess. I didn't say the church was a mess. I said the church world's a mess. There's a difference. And the reason there's such a mess is because there's no leadership. You can hope that your kids get it. You can hope that your community figures it out. But at the same time, unless there's real, true, godly leadership, they're in trouble. Please hear me. Excuse the water tonight, but my, my throat is not cooperating. But I'm going to take us on a journey tonight, and I want, with the help of the Lord, I want to deal with prioritizing or priorities and decision-making but I'm going to bring that into a realm of simply saying this, that if you and I are going to be godly men and women, and if we're going to be godly leaders in the kingdom of God, we're going to have to understand the value of living a focused life. I've shared this story throughout the years, and it rings true. I, a dear friend of mine, Rick Brozier, was in Ohio. He was in his front yard and he was trimming some shrubs and it was a beautiful afternoon and he was just working and doing what he did when all of a sudden he heard this awful noise. It was tires squealing and squeeching and all of a sudden it was followed by a very loud boom. He heard the sounds of metal crumbling and crushing to turn to find that there was an individual that had ran into the back of his wife's automobile as she had slowed down to turn into their driveway. He never even paid attention. He ran over her and in the car with them was there one of their grandchildren. He speaks that his heart leaped inside of him he ran to where they was to make sure that his wife and grandchild was okay. Then he ran back to the automobile, to the man that hit him. And after the commotion calmed down and making sure everybody was okay, he simply asked this question, what happened? And this is the man's reply. I only took my eyes off the road for a moment. A momentary loss of focus can be devastating. 
Can I tell you that our world is spinning so fast and we are in such a prophetic season and when we see all the signs of the time that we're living in and we know that the return of the Lord is imminent and it is nearer now than it's ever been, I want you to hear me today. We as men and women of God cannot afford to have a moment where we lose our focus. Because when we lose our focus, that's when bad things happen. So how do I keep myself from losing my focus? How is it that I stay on track? It comes to a place where we have to understand that priorities and decision-making is of great value. I'm going to teach tonight, not preach, but I pray that we'll have ears to hear. And I'm going to go to Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to start there in just a moment. But as you're turning to Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to read a few verses together. But as you're turning there, I want to give you this particular verse in Matthew 23 and 24. It simply says, you blind guides, you strain out a gnat, but you swallow a camel. What it's simply saying is this, if you're not careful, you're focusing on all of the things that really are nothing more than a gnat and you're letting all of the major issues just overwhelm and have their way. Can I tell you today, decision-making and priorities are important. We have to know what battles to fight. We have to know how to fight. We have to know when to engage and when not to engage. But we find that there is a, there's a word that is given to us in Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse number 14 through verse number 17 that I want to use tonight as we begin together. The following is what we find in this passage. It says, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepeth, and arise from the dead. And notice this, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Can we read verse 16 again? Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Is. Please hear me tonight. You may be seated. Thank you for honoring the word of the Lord this evening. Allow me to say this this evening mistaken priorities lie at the heart of ineffective leadership. In Matthew 23 and 24, Jesus is scolding the Pharisees for confusing what was and what wasn't important. Please hear me. If we're not careful, we will make the traditions of men more important than the word of God in our lives. The Pharisees, their priorities was enforcing laws and rules and Christ's priority was the spiritual needs of others and making sure that they had an encounter with the one true God. Please hear me tonight, great leaders know the hearts of their people and they act with the end of that in mind. Tonight, I'm not standing here teaching or preaching whatever you want to label it as tonight 
for no other reason than the fact that I want you and I want your children and your children's children to have a real authentic encounter with God. You and I today must understand that we are in a place where there is an absence of leadership across our nation. Statistics tell us that most children are born out of wedlock in this nation, over 70%. We find that, especially within certain demographics, large majority of children are raised in fatherless homes. There is a great vacuum today of leadership. And much of it is due because we have failed to teach a generation of how to make proper decisions as well as to as well as to make priorities in their life. As spiritual leaders, we know that Jesus died for us this evening. That our ultimate mission would be the great commission. We understand that there is a great command that we are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart. But we also know that the great commission is for us to go into all the world and to teach the gospel. We understand that the baptism of the Holy Ghost that you read of in Acts chapter 2 in your Bible was given for this specific reason. That you would be equipped to become a witness for the Lord in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. It wasn't for you and I to have a feel-good moment, but it was so that we would be equipped to become leaders as we would lead our generation into the presence of God and away from a place called sin. We also know tonight that the Bible rarely gives us a step-by-step pattern, if you will, or direction for the task that is set before us. However, tonight we must, and we find out through studying scripture, there's a few things that all of us must continually do if we're going to be godly leaders in this hour. Number one is this, we must always continually ask for God's wisdom, not the wisdom of men. But we should be seeking godly wisdom To the men in this room, your prayer should be, God, help me to lead my wife and my children into the place that you have designated for us to be. It should be the prayer of the men to also say, God, give us godly wisdom on how we are to fill the role of being spiritual fathers to those that are fatherless. Also today, we must realize that the next question that we should always have in front of us and the reminder is this, and I mentioned this in our meeting just for a couple of moments, is this, that we should always keep the big picture in mind. What does that mean? Can I tell you what we do today is not about us at all, but it is about reaching a lost generation that is dying and going to hell. 
We have gotten so accustomed to reading in the obituaries of our paper that everybody gets their wings and everybody's in heaven that we no longer even think about eternity as being a possibility of being eternally separated from the kingdom of God. But can I tell you today, there is men and women that stepped into eternity today so far that have not known Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And they will extend, they will spend eternity forever separated from the presence of God. Much of this is the result of the lack of godly leadership taking a generation to a place where they hear continually and they sense the urgency of this decision. The greatest decision that any of us will ever make in this room is to follow Jesus Christ, to make him Lord of our life. But after that, there is other decisions that must be made in every one of our lives. And hear, hear me well tonight. If we are going to be effective in touching a generation, if we are going to be men and women that is blessed with the anointing of God to lead others, we must understand that it is God's desire for every one of us to lead from God's priority list, not our priority list. And you will find throughout scripture that his priority is souls. His priority is a harvest. He's whole, he told his disciples, he said, don't tell me that four months from now that there will be a harvest. But he said, I need you to look right now because if you'll look out there, there's a whiteness up on the ground and there is a harvest that is ready now, but there is not enough laborers. So we have to learn how to lead from God's priorities. And then fourthly, I will give you tonight is this, and we must make the most of our time since the days in which we live are evil. If we will acknowledge the fact and say that we are living in an evil time, we're living in evil days, then we are also acknowledging this simple reality that there is a thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So therefore, we have to realize that we are engaged in this time of evil where there is one that is trying to steal, kill, and destroy everything around us. And therefore, somebody's got to sound the alarm and somebody's got to step up and somebody's got to begin to say there's an alternative path than what you're taking right now. Ezekiel 33 tells us very clearly that there is men and women that has been designated to be uh, watchmen on the wall. I, I have to ask the question, uh, where is the watchman today? How is it that we become so numb to the culture around us that it seems like that tears are no longer even shed when we hear of the most gruesome discoveries uh, of what evil is doing to a generation? Uh, can I tell you, there has to be godly leadership again. You say, why is this so important? Because can I tell you, if somebody begins to ask God for wisdom, if somebody keeps the big picture in mind, and if somebody will ask uh, and will make the decision to lead from God's priorities, uh, and if they will make, uh, make themselves aware of the evilness of our day, 
They will begin to move, they will begin to be moved with a heart of compassion like he was, where when he saw somebody in a state, he could not ignore their condition. But he began to minister to them. I'm reminded of the woman that was bowed over for 18 years and she had a spirit of infirmity upon her and she walked into the synagogue. He's teaching, uh, but because of the heart of compassion, because his priority was not necessarily on the message he was giving, uh, but his priority was on the daughter uh, that was bent over and could not do for herself. Uh, He immediately stopped what he was doing and said, I've got to lead differently now uh, than we do on any the other Sabbath day uh, and I've got I don't care how it's going to be perceived I, I don't care how they're going to document this I don't care how they're going to try to use it against me uh, but I am going to stand and I'm going to minister to the one uh, and he began to minister to her because of this he had compassion on her may I ask today where is the compassion where is the longing to touch a life to give it hope in the midst of hopelessness what is the biblical answer on priorities if you were to go to Mark chapter number one verse 35 and the following if you want to live a life that is in alignment with the word of God if you want to be a godly leader in an ungodly world and you want to make the most of your time and you want to get your priorities right and you want to make sure that your decision making is bringing glory and honor to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, this is how and this is what you and I should do. Jesus is our example. Mark chapter 1, 35 through 38, and in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there he prayed. And Simon and they that were with him followed after him. And when they found him, they said unto him, all men seek for thee. And he said unto them, let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also. For therefore came I forth. We find two things in this passage. The number one biblical priority for every man of God, every woman of God, especially if you want to be a leader in the kingdom of God. There has to be a priority of prayer. If there is no prayer, there is no power. If there is no power, there is no deliverance. And if there is no deliverance, there is no joy. If there is no joy, there is no strength. And if there is no strength, there is no victory. And if there is no victory, please hear me, there is death. We are witnessing people die while they sit in the house of God. But not only did he prioritize prayer, but he shows us that the next priority in his life was to take the message of his father. I'm thankful for our career paths. I'm thankful for our giftings. I'm thankful for the things that God has entrusted us with. I thank him for the tools and the things that we are involved with to do in the natural realm because those things are important. But please hear me, your career path, your business, none of those things surpass the importance 
of the biblical priorities that Jesus lays out for us. You, if you are going to be a man or a woman in a place of authority in the kingdom of God, you have to be a man or a woman of prayer. And you have to be a man or woman that understands the importance of sharing the message of the Father. Which brings me to this this evening. One may ask, what is the Christian's priority? What is, if we're supposed to be people of prayer, if we're supposed to be people that share the message what should and how should we as men and women of God position ourselves in order to be equipped to fulfill those tasks? I'm glad you asked tonight because if you go to your Bibles in Luke chapter number 10, verse number 38 and the following, you will read these words. This is now it came to pass as they went, this is Jesus and his disciples that they entered into a certain village And a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she said, and she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, doest thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she helps me. Now get this. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha. Thou are careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. Tell your neighbor, say one thing is needful. But one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. What did Mary choose that Martha didn't? Martha invited him into her home. You have invited him into your life. But here's the ultimate question. Have you stayed busy and cumbered about and troubled on every side? Or have you done what Mary did? Mary, when he came in, notice what she did. Your Bible says that she sat down at his feet and she has chosen the good part. What she chose to do was to position herself to observe and to absorb his word. Can I tell you the only way that I am ever going to be a man or a woman that gets to a place where I'm passionate about prayer and where I'm passionate about sharing the message of the Father is only able to be attained once I have set at his feet and begin to hear what he's saying. Have you ever been in a conversation where somebody begins to talk about something and it sucks you in and everything else doesn't matter and you just got to stay here and you got to hear this thing through? And you're just captivated by what you're hearing. And it begins to, you're just drawn in and you're drawn in. Can I tell you, that is why the Bible teaches us taste and see that the Lord is good. You can never taste until, first of all, you sat down at his feet. And Mary, she sat down, and therefore her priority was, I have to have his word in my life. 
Can I tell you, it's wonderful that you have letters before your name, after your name. It's wonderful that you got all of the promotions that your company can give. It's wonderful, and I celebrate all of that with you. But can I tell you, you will never be effective in godly leadership in the kingdom of God until, first of all, you become willing to sit at his feet. Which propels me to this, what is the priority of a real Christian leader? What is it that makes them tick, so to speak? I'm repeating myself on purpose tonight because I want this to get into your spirit. Brother Austin mentioned it in his message over the weekend in Acts chapter number six. For the sake of time, we will not read it, but chapter six, verses two through verse number four. We find that the 12 gathered together. They gathered all the disciples together and they began to talk to them and they simply said, we can't neglect the ministry of the people, but therefore we also can't neglect our time in prayer and our time in the word. Because they said, if we're going to lead these people, we do not have the ability to lead with natural knowledge or natural wisdom. But if we're going to lead them, if we're going to fulfill the task that God has given to us, we've got to find ourselves a place where we can pray and where we can give ourselves to the word. So that's why we need some men to be filled with the Holy Spirit that they can do the day-to-day activities so that we can focus, so that we can hear God lead the people. Can I tell you, I'm not so sure that the leadership in the American church is getting enough knee time and word time because we're so busy attending to everything else. Please hear me. So how do I balance all of this if I'm going to be a godly leader in an ungodly world? You're going to have to make some decisions. One of those decisions that you're going to have to make is you're going to have to trust God and trust that his word is the right path and is the right tool that you're to use to make the decisions necessary to reprioritize your life. Which takes me to Acts, our Hebrews chapter 12 rather. Hebrews chapter 12 verse number one, it simply says this. If you were to read it in the NIV, it would simply say, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. King James would simply say, let us lay aside every weight which does so easily beset us. What am I talking about today is you and I have to make a decision to lay off some things and allow the Lord to direct our paths if we are going to lead and direct others. If you haven't noticed today, our world is searching for answers and the world is quick to give them answers that are not real answers. One of the new fads, if you will, that's taking a lot of traction right now is You're starting to hear a lot of conversation about AI, artificial intelligence. Artificial intelligence has now been something that's been played with. It's something that's been very, it's very dangerous. We could talk about the robotic side of it and all of those things, but I'm talking about even more dangerous than that. 
is the simple fact that it is accumulating a wealth of information from everywhere and it has the ability because of how it's created to even bring things into terminology that would make you think that it is scripture when it isn't scripture and we have people that is in places of godly leadership that is trying to use it as a shortcut, as a tool to get them to a place where they can be more effective. But what they're doing is they're getting a contaminated manuscript and they're leading people according to that instead of according to the word of God. Please hear me. We are living in a very dangerous hour. And I know maybe some of you would like to be shouting and running the aisle and say, preacher, I, 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 I need a feel-good thing. Listen, there's a time and a place for that. But right now, when we have a world that is going and, and spiraling out of control and we have men and women in the house of God living in a place of sin and thinking that it's okay and thinking that I, God will accept me the way that I am. Listen, he will accept you the way you are, but he will not let you live the way you are if you're going to follow after him. But that takes godly leadership. That takes somebody getting a passion and a concern and a heart for people to say, I cannot let you die and go to hell on my watch. I have to tell you the truth. So therefore, we must make a decision to lay aside every weight that would so easily beset us. Meaning this, we could not live a distracted life if we are going to be godly leaders in this, in this hour and in this season. So how does our purpose help us with our priorities, one may ask. Notice with me, we're not just running a race to run, but we're running a race to win. What do I mean by that? Everybody trains for it, everybody gets ready for it, but not everybody wins. But can I tell you, I'm running this thing to win. How do I win? Is if I don't go to heaven by myself. I win if there's a line of people behind me that is following me. Like Paul simply said, he said, come follow me. I'll take you to where Jesus is. He wasn't saying, come follow me because I've got it all figured out. He was simply saying, I have found Jesus Christ and him crucified to be the answer. So if you'll come and follow me, I'll take you to him. We have been successful if we have individuals following because of the fact that we took the message of Jesus Christ. I want to bring you to this reality today. Maybe some of you have heard of it. Maybe some of you practice it in your life, but there is a thing called the 80-20 principle. Anybody ever heard of it? The 80-20 principle is something that you cannot ignore. It is something that is very real and something that every one of us should use in our life. The 80-20 principle is something that, notice with me, it teaches us that if we focus our attention on our most important activities, we will gain the highest return rate of our efforts. The truth of the matter is, if you will make a list of 10 items, if you will make a list of 10 priorities in your life and say, this is what I got to accomplish, if you will focus on the top two, you will get 80% of the results that you want to do out of the 10 things that you got on your list. 
But if we're not careful, we will spend much of our time messing with the little things that's in the weeds that's down about eight, nine, or ten, and we get nothing accomplished. It will work against you. It will not work for you. So what do I mean when I start talking about an 80-20 principle? When I start looking at an 80-20 principle in the thing in the kingdom of God, what I'm looking at is if men and women would do these two things on the priority list, it would be simply this. If we would give ourselves to prayer and if we would give ourselves to his word, then we would turn a world upside down. But because we do not enact the 80-20 principle in our life in the spiritual realm and we refuse to pray and we refuse to be students of the word, then we spin our wheels all of our life is nearly wasted on trying to pay a bill, trying to get ahead in the natural when it's all going to fade away anyway and we get no eternal gain for our life. Please hear me tonight. I want you to be successful. But you've got to understand what true success is. True success is not obtaining certain things that the world has created and made because they will rust away. True success is living a life that impacts others for the kingdom of God. True success is when you look around and you have spiritual sons and spiritual daughters that is in the house of God growing, developing, and taking your place and running and going further than you did. That is success. We can give our life to going to the house of God, singing our song, uh, shaking our tambourine, dancing our jig, and still not be effective. And all the while, we'll continue to bury a generation uh, lost without God and say, I just don't know what's wrong. Uh, Can I tell you, uh, if men and women will get a hold of this thing and get back to a place of practical and principled living and realize if I will live a life of focus, I can impact a generation but I can't impact it from intellectual knowledge. Uh, I got to impact it from a place of revelation knowledge. Uh, And the word of the Lord says that the priority for Christ uh, was to go to a place of prayer before the sun ever came up uh, and then to look at his disciples and say, help me get to the next place uh, because there's others that have not yet heard the gospel. Can I put it to you this way? What if it was your son or your daughter that was in a community a few thousand miles away uh, that had no church, uh, that had no men of faith, uh, that had nobody there sharing, uh, it was surrounded by gross darkness, wouldn't you want somebody to go tell them Jesus loved them? Godly leadership is a life of sacrifice. It's a life of commitment. It's a life that some don't understand, but it is a life that will have a lasting impact. The world may never know your name. None of that matters. You say, how do you know this 80-20 principle works? Can I tell you? Let me give you just a few examples If we start talking about time, can I tell you 20% of our time produces 80% of the results that we have and experience in our life. I could talk to you about counseling tonight and I would tell you this, that 20% of your clients, if you're a counselor, it takes up 80% of your time. 
When we start dealing with the subject of work, 20% of your effort gives 80% of your satisfaction. 20% of the work that you do is what brings satisfaction to you. The other 80% it's like, man, I wish I didn't have to do it at all. When it comes to ministries, 20%, please hear me, 20% of all ministries provide 80% of all the fruit. We do a lot of things. We got a lot of stuff going on. But about 80% of the stuff that we do, we don't have to do it all because it doesn't produce any fruit. Can I tell you, if your life is not producing fruit, change your life. You say, I want to be a godly leader. Can I tell you? The only way we can lead is if we are people that produce fruit. Nobody's going to come running to a barren tree. You know what is the most disappointing thing? If you see, man, that's a beautiful apple tree. That's a beautiful peach tree. But you run up to it and there ain't no peaches on it. There ain't no apples on it. It's like, man, that was a letdown. We can look the part, we can look the part, we can sound the part, but then when people get to our life and there is no fruit hanging on us, don't expect people to follow. That's why in the book of John, we get these words from Christ. He says simply, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Most of you are familiar with that passage. You need to read it again. Except we abide in him and he abides in us. There is no fruit. How do I abide in him? I've been in a place of prayer, been in a place of his word. There's a lot of people wanting positions, a lot of people wanting titles, a lot of people wanting in a platform, but yet they don't have no fruit. Don't expect the Lord to give you a platform of any sort if you're not a person of fruit. Your testimony should be that you're fruitful. Tell Tell your neighbor it'll be better next week. Please hear me. I'm just just trying to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and sensitive to you at the same time. Listen, anybody could have this job this weekend, but it's all right. It's it's, it's on my shoulders, so I'm I'm, I'm trying to be obedient. Notice with me, lessons learned from the 80-20 principle. There's a few things people have learned that's done it before us. Notice with me. I want to make these statements, and I'm going to be bringing it to a close in just a moment. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Activity does not equal accomplishments. Activity doesn't equal accomplishments. Here's what I want to say to you. Your goal should not be simply to stay busy. But you should look for the wisest people and the best places to invest your time. Because can I tell you, one of the most precious things you have is time. If you've been around this house any length of time at all, you've heard me talk about the three T's. I would quiz you, but I don't want to embarrass you. But the three T's are time, treasure, and talent. What are we doing with our time, our treasure, and our talent? Please hear me. I have limited time. I have limited resources. I have limited talent. So therefore, I don't have anything to waste. 
No matter how talented you are, no matter if you live to be 100, no matter if you have millions in the bank tonight, you have limited resources. So the thing is, is, and I have to remind you of this, we are not owners tonight, but we are stewards. And what does he require out of stewards? We are required to be faithful stewards. So if we're going to be godly leaders, we got to be faithful in the stewardship of what he has given us. And every one of us in this room, please hear me, he has given us a space of time. He has given us a talent. And he has given us treasure. Don't tell me you're concerned about a lost and dying world if you're going to waste your three T's. If you're going to sit in front of a TV and just watch Andy Griffith for five hours a day and say, well, when I get not so busy, I'm going to do something for the Lord. You are wasting. You are a slothful servant. God will not bless you. Oh, Lord, help me, Jesus. Don't waste your time. If you'll take, and please don't misunderstand what I'm getting ready to say. If you could take your hard-earned money and buy the latest and greatest of whatever, and I don't care if you do that. But you say, I cannot, nor do I have a desire to give into the offering or to give unto the Lord. And then you wonder why the local houses of worship struggle across the nation to try to have fitting programs for your children. And you say, well, if our church just had another program, they might have something if you would support it. We have no problem with spending $400 for Johnny to get a new pair of cleats to play baseball and he's never going to play in the major leagues, but that's not that. We're not going to talk about that, but heaven forbid that we want $400 for a mission project. How dare him ask for something? Those cleats ain't going to buy, ain't going to get anybody to heaven, but your $400 could help build a school. It could help do a whole host of things. It could bring somebody to know Jesus as savior, but we don't want to talk about it. But yet we want to be a leader. We want God's favor and blessing. We want everybody to know our name. God help us tonight. I love you. Activity doesn't equal accomplishments. Can I give you this this evening? If you're going to be a godly leader in the things of God, you're going to have to learn how to organize or you're going to be one that agonizes. There's a whole lot of agony going on because nobody knows what's going on because nobody wants to submit to any type of authority because if you do that, then you have to be organized. And if it's organized, then it can't be of God. Can I tell you, everything God's ever done has been done in decency and order. Heaven forbid you put a sign-up sheet and ask somebody to sign it to commit to something. You're trying to be too organized. Well, you know I'll be there, preacher. Don't matter if I know you'll be there. It's about organizing so I don't have to agonize. Please hear me. This is the reality of our day. Schedule priorities. 
Prioritize your life. John Maxwell made this statement. He says this, control your day or your day will control you. There's a lot of people that your day is controlling you and you say, I don't know why I'm so out of control. It's because we won't take the initiative to schedule our day. Please hear me. Reacting is not leading. When you lose control, you are no longer acting as a leader, but instead you're reacting to the urgent. If you forget the ultimate, you will become a slave to the immediate. You hear me? If you forget the ultimate, if you forget the big picture, you will become a slave to the immediate. Now I understand there's certain things, there's certain crises that you have to deal with in a moment. It has to be dealt with. But please hear me. Everything is not a crisis. If everything is a crisis, then what you're doing is you're living a life of chaos. You're not living a life of structure. And therefore, God can't bless it. But tonight, please hear me. Just look at your neighbor. I want you to try this on them and say, I don't want you to be offended by this. Go ahead, tell them. But I'm going to have to say no. I hope you wasn't sitting by your spouse. (laughs) Sometimes if we're going to be godly leaders, we're going to have to say no. But you got to learn how to say no in the right way. And this this is what I've shared with others. And I want to share it with you. And I'm bringing this to a close in just a few moments. You got to learn how to say no. It's okay to say no to the ideal or to the thing. Because when you do that, you're not saying no to the person. But if you just say no in a rough, busy manner, people's going to interpret that you're saying no to them. And then you have another set of problems. Listen, my friend, a godly leader takes time to pause and to say, listen, I understand what you're saying. I understand what you're accomplishing, but that's not, that's not, that's not, that's not where I'm at right now. I'm not saying we can't help you facilitate certain things, but this is where God is taking us and this is what we, so I have to say no to that, but I'm not saying no to you. You can't do everything. You have to do what God's called you to. So it's okay to say no. Because if you say yes to everything, that tells me that there's a whole lot of people that's not doing what they're supposed to be doing. You're not shouting me down tonight, but it's okay. You and I today, please hear me. If they want to come to the music tonight. We are in a place where there is a great need for godly leaders. But there's a couple of things I want you to understand with me. You and I must make the most of our time, our treasure, and our talent. So how do we do that? We do that by making a to-do list in our lives. This is a priority for me and my family. This is a priority for me and my wife. This is where we're at, and this is what we're going to accomplish. Use that 80-20 principle and watch your world change drastically. And you will find 
that all of the other things at the bottom of that list will end up getting done because you focused on the top two. But also, you need to set your priorities. You need to make it very clear. Don't assume, but make it clear. This is what we're trying to accomplish. And thirdly, you must avoid been consumed with perfection. Around this house, they hear me say this, I am not after perfection, but I am after excellence because I believe that God deserves the best that we can give. A state of excellence, a spirit of excellence is something that we read of throughout Scripture book of Psalms and other places we're taught and we're instructed we're instructed to study to show ourselves approved we're instructed to play skillfully upon the stringed instruments it means we just don't get up and try to do it but it means this we work diligently and we prepare and we have a spirit of excellence about what we do what the world produces should not be the ultimate but what the church produces should surpass what the world is doing. Why is it that the world is, especially in the music industry, is filled with musicians and singers that came from the holiness and Pentecostal faith? It's because they work so diligently, try to capture the sound that comes from in the house of God and they can never duplicate it because of the simple fact they don't understand. But if they're looking for musicians, if they're looking for voices, they always come looking at the church because they know there's something different. Tonight, may I ask this question? maybe risking getting a little too nosy for some of you or making you a little uncomfortable can I ask you tonight how how well are you living a focused life right now do you know what you're supposed to be doing and what you're supposed to be about or are you just all over the board today We need men and women. We need men and women to be committed to that place of prayer and to that place of his word where we simply say, I refuse to allow a generation to be overran on my watch. I'm going to lead them to a rock that's higher than I. I'm not interested in trying to lead people to my place of opinion. I'm trying to lead them to the place where they can encounter the supernatural power of God. We should all be completely honest and comfortable with the fact and say this without any reservation. I'm fine if the world never knows my name 
as long as they know his name. We should not be running and searching for accolades and attaboys, but we should be running and searching for one more soul that's lost that we can bring to the foot of the cross and let them experience salvation. Tonight, decision-making matters. All of us have probably said this statement at one time, oh, it don't really matter. Oh, it don't really matter if I'm there. It don't really matter if this or that. Listen, it does matter. Priorities matter. Your children are watching. Your nieces, your nephews are watching. Your family's watching. Your coworkers are watching. Your community's watching. It does matter. I wonder today how much fruit we have hanging on our trees. As we stand all over the house this evening. Maybe a sombering message this evening. But I don't speak it in a place of uncertainty, nor do I speak it in a manner of saying, oh, woe is us and woe is the church and we're going down in defeat. No, 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 no. I believe this, that God is raising up men and women all across this globe at this season. But the question is, will you allow him to raise you up into that place that he's called you to step into? Can I be honest with you today, completely transparent with you today? Godly leadership is, it's rewarding. It has wonderful moments, but it also has some heavy times. It has some ugly times. I've had the privilege to sit and laugh with people and rejoice with people, but also I've had to sit and I've had to weep with people. I've had to sit and feel the weight and the burden with people. But I look around and I think about what if, what if godly men and godly women throughout history had not accepted the call of being godly leaders in their generation where would we be today what if it hadn't been for that dear saint that always just seemed to have the right word at the right time when you were struggling when you was young where would you be today they didn't just get that but it was because they'd given themselves to a place of prayer and they'd given themselves to the word and they was in tune with God that's why they could speak into your life the way they did. How many can relate to some type of encounter like that? Say, that, that happened to me back in my life at some point. May I ask you the question, are you positioned in a manner to do that for the generation that's following you? If not, who will? This is the reality. See, godly leadership is not about a position. It's not about a title. It's about being a man and woman of faith that steps into the place that God's called them to, to serve 
the body and to serve those around them. So tonight we're looking for godly leaders in an ungodly world because I still believe with every fiber in me that the Lord isn't done yet but that we are embarking on a season of when God is going to minister and show himself mightily to a generation but he needs leaders I wonder tonight will we be those leaders dear heavenly father tonight as we stand in your house Lord as we stand amongst your people today Lord as we stand knowing this that it is by you and through you that we're able to accomplish anything in ourselves we can do nothing but Lord because you live and dwell inside of us we know this that we are more than overcomers we know today that there is a world around us that needs to hear you and see you and experience you and therefore we know this you're still choosing to use what you have used ever since the resurrection and that is the church but today Lord all throughout history we have seen and we have witnessed we have read about we have experienced and we have even sat with men women that have been leaders at their given time their appointed time Lord today we look around the landscape of our nation and other places and it is obvious that we are missing some very valid important leadership in many places so today Lord my prayer is that every man every woman every boy every girl under the sound of our voice tonight would pause and self-examine and would ask themselves the question now my position to be a godly leader in the kingdom if not Lord I pray that there would begin to be a burning passion in their innermost being to say well I'm not satisfied with just being what I am right now but Lord I need to spend time with you and I need to hear what you're saying because Lord I know that I need to be instrumental in touching the world with this glorious gospel Lord today I pray for strength I pray for encouragement I pray for a holy boldness to set upon your people and Lord while we're in your house this evening on the eve of starting another work week, a week that has a lot of demands, a week that has a lot of responsibility for many people in this room. Lord, I pray we would not be too busy. I pray that we would understand that more important than anything else that's on our schedule is this, that we are being called to be godly men and godly women to lead a generation into your presence. So Lord, I pray I pray you give us wisdom. I pray that you would give us clarity. I pray that we would understand that you have a list of priorities that you want us to work from and live from. So Lord, I pray you would help us to submit to that, surrender to that. 
And Lord, I pray that we would not waste that which you have entrusted us, our time, our treasure, and our talent. But Lord, I pray that we would develop that talent, that gift that you've given all of us. I pray that we would grow that measure of faith that you've placed inside of us. But Lord, I pray that we would begin to have eyes like you have and ears like you have and a heart like you have. And when we look at the world and we see its lostness, that we would begin to feel that compassion that you felt in the synagogue that day. So Lord, I pray, pray we would get a burden for the lost. Lord, I pray that we would be dissatisfied with the status quo, the average, the mundane, the normal. And Lord, let us begin to realize that there's more. And Lord, I pray you'd help us to encourage each other, but also to lead each other into that place where there's more. So Father, today, Maybe there's those under the sound of our voice that may be weary, may be a little overwhelmed today. Lord, I pray that there would be rest come to them. I pray that there would be a spirit of rest. There would be an infusion of supernatural strength. Pray for the healing balm of Gilead to just be poured out upon them. Lord, I pray that you would lead us and guide us and direct us this week so that we could lead others. And Lord, we're believing and trusting for the more that you have. So today, Lord, I pray blessings upon your people. I pray that your face would shine brightly upon them. I pray you'd give them blessed peace. Today, Lord, let us realize there are those that's watching. There are those that are searching. There are those that are looking. So, Lord, help us to lead them to you. Let them not experience religion, but, Lord, let them experience relationship. So today, Lord, I pray. Pray for a spirit of fear to be broken off of your people. I pray a holy boldness would settle down upon them. And let them share the good news of the gospel. Lord, as they go to their place of prayer, their time of devotion, I pray for a special visitation of the Holy Spirit to settle down upon them. Help us to walk through this week in a manner that brings glory and honor to you. Bring us back Wednesday into your presence to be encouraged, to be uplifted, to be challenged. Lord, we'll never cease to give you the praise and the glory. People of God say, hey everybody, it's Pastor Jade Abrams here. I just want to thank you for watching and joining with us today. We're so glad that you chose to be with us. We just encourage you to stay in contact with us. Click, follow, subscribe on all of our social media platforms to stay up to date what's happening here at PTC. We bless you in Jesus' name and we love you and so does God. Have a good day.